0: The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.
1: Welcome to The Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, The Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman.
2: Michael W. Covell, uh, who is the author of a new book called Trend Following, Learn to Make Millions in Up or Down Markets. Welcome to the show, Michael. Thank you. Let's just start off with a little bit of your background and uh, your uh, expertise as a a trader and somebody who is an advisor's trader before you uh, wrote this book.
3: Well, I I start off like a lot of people. I I, I want to find out what's the right way, uh, perhaps even the better way, the best way to make good investing decisions. And I started off hearing about Warren Buffett, like most people. I remember a book in the early 90s for me called Margin of Safety, all about value investing. But then I started to see these odd articles that started to mention trend following and turtle traders and systematic trading, technical trading. I didn't know what this was. There was very little literature on it. And I just went down a path to to really learn uh, about this style of trading and who these traders were, these great traders were, because they were literally making fortunes. And they were doing it quite different than Warren Buffett. They weren't buying and holding. They weren't looking for value. They were literally following trends.
2: And and is this something you've done yourself as well, and you've advised others? Tell us a little bit about your own background in, in doing this.
3: Yeah, I'm not an advisor. I'm not a hedge fund manager. Um, I, I trade my own account, um, But what I've done is I've, I've, I've enjoyed the process of letting people see these aha moments that I've had. So through uh, courses and books, I've had a chance to let people learn what I've seen behind the scenes because it is a fairly under-the-radar style of investing.
2: I mean, you think normally that that's what people do is follow trends. <laughs> it sounds like the most normal thing in a certain way is that people buy when things are going up and they get out when things are going down. What's different about what you're talking about here compared to what most people would think is the normal way of investing?
3: Well, you know, most people were in mutual funds last fall, and most people went down over 50% in their mutual fund accounts. I'm not so sure they were really exiting with any kind of an exit plan. I think they were just holding in, and they've been told for decades to buy and hold, and no matter what. Whereas the style of trading that I'm talking about isn't about uh, determining a company's uh, value or the growth, it's literally looking at the price movement of a stock or a futures contract and saying if that stock is going up, I don't need to know that it's Microsoft. I don't need to know that it's GE. But if that price is going up, I want to be a buyer of that stock. I want to want to ride that trend. I don't know why it's going up, but I want to ride that trend and think about that in reverse as well. That if a market is going down, the ability to short a market and make money as the market goes down is also part of the trend-following uh, mentality. And that's definitely very different than a buy-and-hold mentality.
2: Are you recommending people do only individual stocks or options or ETFs? or what, what kind of vehicles do you recommend that people use to follow these trends?
3: Well Options are going to be tough because of, uh, because of technical reasons, time decay, uh, leaps options can work, ETFs, absolutely, stocks, indices. Um, currencies, commodities, futures contracts. Trend following is really a, a strategy that is is applicable across all markets. It's not it's not something that's applicable to one particular type of market.
2: I see. So your strategy is really almost doesn't matter what it is. It's it's the strategy to follow the trend that
3: counts. Absolutely, Have, following the trend and knowing that when you get on board, because you can't predict anything, you really can't. You don't know what's going to happen when you get on board. You say to yourself, "How much am I willing to lose?" When I take a position, no that's, that's where the risk management starts.
2: Do you recommend putting in stop-loss orders in case things go against you?
3: Absolutely. That's part of the trend following mentality. You, you need to know before you ever buy a stock, a mutual fund. I actually, I'm not going to tell people mutual funds are not such a great idea, in my humble opinion. Um, but before you ever buy a stock or a futures contract or take any position, you need to know when you're going to get out before you ever get in.
2: What kind of a time period, time-holding period, do you normally recommend for people using your system? Is it, are we talking days, weeks, months, hours? What, what is the typical? Uh, it's
3: definitely not day trading. Um, you, you, the transaction costs will eat you alive, and I think it will also eat your stomach alive, and you, you'll probably go crazy trying to, I mean, we've all seen what's happened in the last uh, uh, six months or so. We can all look at a day's activity and say, wow, I wish I would have bought that day, or wow, I wish I would have sold that day, but that's really tough to, to execute. It's, you're, you're running against get some very big hedge fund players, and that's really hard to do. Trend following is more of a a longer-term strategy, so traders can have positions that can last many months over a year. Um, It's definitely not a short-term in-and-out type mentality.
2: Uh Okay, in your first chapter, um, you start, which you call trend following, Uh, you start about the market and, and which market people should be using. What is your basic point about which market to be using there?
3: Well, my my point with markets is to think about what markets are in the sense that they're just opportunities. Don't get wedded to them emotionally. Uh, the idea is to is to say to yourself they're opportunities. I mean, you, you as an investor, you as a trader, don't need to know uh, that that uh, anything about corn. All you need to know is, can I get on board corn? Can I follow along? Can I follow the trend, either up or down? So the idea, and this gets back more to an Austrian school of economics-type mentality as well, is, is you want to you want to treat markets as, as a tool for, for making money and speculating, but it's not something to fall in love with or marry. Uh, it's a pretty strong distinction.
2: And then you talk about winning versus losing, uh, particularly in, in, in light of what's been happening recently where people lost an awful lot of money. Uh, lately, the market's been up dramatically, so all the people who were going short have been hurt on the other side. What can you tell people about this mentality of winning
3: versus losing? Well, I think sometimes we, we, we don't want to take a loss. And uh, that, 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 that gets at our psyche. We, don't, we, we emotionally, we get so wrapped up in our, our vision of the future, our, our expectation of the future, that we, we sometimes don't want to admit that we're wrong. And the winner's the the great winners, uh, frankly, of society, especially uh, on Wall Street and markets. And I'm not talking about the Bernie Madoff scams and cons and criminals. I'm talking about the honorable people on Wall Street that, that wake up and say, "Hey, I've got a better way to buy and sell to the next person." You know, they've got that winning attitude. It, it almost gets back to competition as a kid. I mean, this is something where you've really got to want it. There's a certain passion to it.
2: And I mean, so you're saying investors who are more Passive about these things that are not following it that closely, that uh, just kind of put things in and hope for the best, are not going to be able to do this trend following system because they're not involved enough.
3: Well, you, I think it comes down. There's there's a certain truth to that because what's the choice? The choice is if you if you're not willing to get involved, we've seen what can happen now. People people put it on autopilot. Let's take the baby boom generation for example. They put it on autopilot. They were told trust the system. Trust in mutual funds, everything will be all right. And then, right at that point in time, when the baby boomers are retiring, your mutual fund accounts drop over fifty percent. So, it's not my, it's not me telling. I think everyone instinctively knows now that you really just can't go on autopilot unless unless you want less money. I mean, I think most people want to try and have uh, a nice life and have some extra money to do the things they want with their family. And autopilot doesn't seem to be such a great plan.
2: No. Uh, You talk about investors versus traders. Uh, Is there a different mentality, or or how should you approach being an investor versus being a trader?
3: I think it's what you were just getting at with with the distinction you were drawing, is investors often think of themselves as, I will buy something, and in the long run, it will all go up. And that's worked well for the better part of the 20th century, excluding the Depression and the 70s and the dot-com bubble, and perhaps now, but a trader says, I'm not emotionally attached to a market always rising because I'm comfortable getting in a market and out of a market. I'm comfortable going short a market, making money as a market drops. And that's a much different mentality uh, than the typical investing mentality that we've all seen for the last several decades in America.
2: But basically you're saying it's worth it, and as it's worth it to drop your investor mentality, this kind of long-term buy and hold, and spend a little bit of effort in uh, going long and short as the market trends change, that it can make a, a huge difference
3: in how much you end up uh, owning. I sure think the evidence is there. I've tried to put quite a bit of performance data so people can see examples. Uh, when I when I talk about this, this mentality and these philosophies, there are traders that have practiced uh, what I'm talking about, and they've got decades of performance. But don't get me wrong, Warren Buffett has had a heck of a run, too, um, but I guess it would have been a lot nicer to invest Mr. Buffett back in the in the '60s and '70s, and today is a little different.
2: Indeed. Okay, then you talk about fundamental uh, versus technical analysis. Are you saying pretty much go with the technicals only, or some combination of fundamental and technical
3: analysis? Well, the trend following that I write about, the traders that I write about are are, are technical traders. They do not uh, they do not use fundamentals. So they don't wake up and say to themselves. Uh, I've looked at all the gold mines out there, and I think there's a certain gold demand. So I'm going to make a bet on a gold trade based on my forecasting of the future. The technical trader is going to say, is the market moving in a certain direction? I either want to be long, a buyer, short, seller. Uh, and So that's, that's, that's very different than fundamental thinking. I really don't think most investors have been exposed to that way of thinking just yet.
2: Okay, and then you also talk about discretionary versus mechanical uh, trend trading. What what is the difference between those two?
3: Well, I think discretionary. We can all look at we can all look at the last six months, and we can see all that daily stock market activity, and we just you just say to yourself in hindsight, "Wow, if I just bought here, if I was, I would have just sold here." And everyone thinks we all think we can do it, um, but in the reality is pretty tough. But a mechanical trader is going to say, "I'm going to have my rules set." So no matter what happens, if a market is, let's say it's Microsoft and it goes to 40, you know exactly what you're going to do. You're going to either be buying or selling. You have specific rules that are telling you when to buy and when to sell versus listening to the news or or Jim Cramer or somebody's uh, stock tip in the paper. All that stuff is noise.
2: So it gives you a discipline that a lot of people trading typically don't tend to have because they get caught up in the emotion... Either things rising and they're buying more or selling and they, they sell more.
3: Yeah, absolutely. The discipline is so key. And that's when you look at when you look at the traders that have done very well for decades, and they don't always have up years. You have to look at it over the long haul and you have to look at the only averages. But the discipline is so key because it's it's those those traders with a system that says, I'm gonna stick with this. I've done my homework, I believe in this, and if I stick with it. In the long run, I'm going to do well. Now, that was the mentality for buy and hold. And and perhaps perhaps two years from now, I'll be proved wrong, and uh, the Dow will be at $20,000. Uh, I don't think so. It doesn't yep. feel like that.
2: Very good. Okay, this is uh, Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show, and my guest this hour is Michael Covell, whose new book is called Trend Following, Learn to Make Millions in Up or Down Markets. We'll be back after this.
1: both their products and services are invited to become members of the money answers network the public can sign up for membership in the money answers network at no charge in order to be apprised of the latest useful resources to learn more visit www.moneyanswers.com get ahead with money answers
4: are you ready to go green you've asked and we've heard you voice america presents the green talk network
5: The violent crime rate has begun to rise again. So what's more important than feeling at ease and secure in your daily life? With an optimistic perspective on a sober subject, crime prevention and personal safety expert Susan Bartlestone brings you the information, tips, resources, and inspiring success stories that will reduce your fear and restore your confidence. So stay tuned and stay safe with Crime Prevention 101 and Susan Bartlestone every Saturday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, here on Voice America. It'd be a crime time not to listen. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network.
1: You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan.
2: Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Michael Covell. Uh, who's updated an, an existing book called A Trend Following, Learn to Make Millions in Up or Down Markets. Welcome back to the show, Michael. Thank you. Uh, before we get into some more substance, tell people how they can get the book, and also do you have a website where they can contact you directly as well?
3: Absolutely. Uh, Amazon, you can find the book at all the major booksellers. Uh, my website is michaelcovel.com, that's C-O-V-E-L.com, um, and you can find the book there. And uh, pretty What, much what are some of the, the other line. things? So if you type in Trend Following, you're going to find it. What are some other things you offer at your website? I do have an, I do have a second book, which was an interesting story. Uh, that book's called the Complete Turtle Trader. it's a It's a trading story about a specific group of trend following traders that were actually trained, uh, kind of like the old Eddie Murphy Trading places movie uh, over a bet. And I do offer educational courses to help people uh, get even more uh, hand, more hand uh, holding to to learn. Okay, very good. Okay.
2: Again, back in the first chapter of your book, you talk about uh, price, the modus operandi, price. H- how do you know when there is a real trend that's worth following, and one that's
3: that's you know
2: going to die out and, and not worth following?
3: Well, you don't know, and that's that's the tough part because all you really know is the here and now. And if a mar- and typically this is the trend following mentality in a, in a general sort of way, is if a market is moving up, you want to be a buyer. So let's say any market is at a current price level of 20. And let's say it goes to 25. Well, you buy. No questions asked. The market's moving up. It's made a higher high. You buy. Mind you, this is buying as the market goes up, not trying to buy cheap or a discount or get something as it pulls back. You're actually buying as the market moves higher on strength. So when you buy like that, you need to have a a tight stop loss. And if you get stopped out, you get out. So the reality is you don't know... a how, what a trends going to look like until it's over. So it, it's, it's a much different mentality. It, it's almost in some ways, I think uh, card players, poker players, blackjack players, I think people that, that understand the game of uh, the game in general, just games will really appreciate this kind of thinking because it's not about stock picks. It's not about how you feel about the economy. It's not about listening to the president. Uh, that has nothing to do with making money as a trend following trader.
2: And when do you uh, sense that a trend has broken? And it's going the other direction. Is there a certain it's going to reverse by five percent, or you know, when do you know a trend has been broken?
3: And that's the typical the typical type of mentality is to say, well, let's say let's say you bought uh, a stock and it just made a new fifty five day high. Well, you take a position and it goes your way. Let's say it goes your way for several weeks. You've made substantial profits. When you get out, well, if the market turns around and then goes against you and makes a new twenty-day low, that's the type of mentality. So, what trend followers are doing is they can't pick bottoms. They can't say, "Oh, if you buy here, you're going to get a great uh, entry point." Trend followers always end up getting on the move a little late, and they always they can't pick the top, so they're always getting out of the move on the on the downside. And so, what a trend follower is doing, if your audience can just imagine looking at a chart that goes up. And then starts to come down. The trend follower is trying to get the middle or the meat of that chart, and then playing that over many different markets and averaging it all together. That that's what they're aiming for.
2: So it's it's really a momentum model. I mean, I, and I, I guess would you be looking at relative strength as one of the main indicators that things are you have a trend one direction or the other?
3: Well, this is less about predictive technical analysis, which is more like a relative strength type indicator. This is more. Uh, simply allowing the market to move. So more more even simple type indicators like breakouts or moving averages that really don't have much predictive use. This is really just letting the market tell you uh, where it's going and uh, if it's going up, uh, you're making money. If it's going down, you're making money. And uh, if it goes sideways a bunch, you're not making money because that's sideways doesn't really offer trends.
2: Yeah. Uh, again, you talked about price, and you say that even good traders sometimes confuse price. What do you mean by that?
3: Well, uh, people, some, this trend following traders, when they look at price, um, they're almost agnostic. They don't they don't worry about uh, knowing where it's going to go. So many people look at price, and they look at it for reasons that. that differently than a trend following trader. They, they they put their own emotions on it. They put their own views on it. And uh, it's just a very difficult uh, way to, to do it. Whereas trend followers just say, hey, price is going up, I'm buying. Price is going down, I'm selling short.
2: So it's much much less emotional is what you're saying.
3: Absolutely. Yeah.
2: So it sounds like so far uh, you're saying you got to keep the emotion out of it, create some mechanical systems that are just going to, just do this for you, and, and you'll do a lot better. Because, because most people are getting caught up in the emotion, either the the happy emotion of things going up or the negative emotion of things going down. That, that can really come back and get you, is what you're saying.
3: Well, it can. It, it, it can really come back and get you in a lot of different ways. I mean, I'm sure in the last six months, the health of many people, the physical health of many people has probably been turned upside down, along with their accounts. I mean, it, it, it's not a good feeling to spend... Uh, a long period of your life believing in a strategy like buy and hold, and then to see it all just fall apart. And I'm sure a lot of people are sitting around saying, wow, you know, maybe Fidelity and Vanguard and all the pretty advertisements and the financial advisors that told me how this was all going to be great for the last two decades, maybe it all wasn't exactly like they said it was.
2: Yeah, people have to be more reliant on themselves. Uh, In your second chapter, uh, you have some brief uh, profiles of uh, the the many great trend followers out there. Let me just give you some of the names, just kind of give a kernel of of what made each one particularly uh, good and and unique and what people can learn from them. Uh, David Harding is the first one you talk about.
3: Well, David started young, and David built a successful firm with partners. They sold that firm off, and uh, and then David wanted to do it on his own. And he started off small, and a lot of people uh, didn't believe in him. And he stuck with it, and David's been producing returns at uh, over twenty percent a year um, for well over a decade. And he's probably considered the most successful trend-following trader alive today. He, he he works out of London, and uh, he is he's the consummate Englishman. So he he's a very very interesting, very smart guy. Are there ways
2: that people can follow what they're doing? Everybody follows what Warren Buffett's latest move is. Are there ways to follow some of these uh, big guys we'll be talking about here?
3: Yeah, absolutely. The way you can follow them is you can actually follow their performance data. You can see how they do each month, and you can go look at their historical returns. There's a couple different websites where you can see that information at. You can also see it in my book, but one of the websites is IASG.com, and you can go to that website, and you can actually see Uh, David Harding's firm is called Wenton Capital, and you can go and look at uh, his performance data, and and it's not, every month is not up. There's up months and there's down months.
2: Yeah. Okay, then you talk about Bill Dunn. Uh, What what has he done, and and what's unusual about him?
3: Well, Bill's in his mid-70s now, and Bill actually was just named by institutional investor uh, as one of the top 25 earners for 2008. I believe Bill made around $80 million dollars. In his mid-70s, and he started this trading approach working out of his house in the Northern Virginia area, uh, back in the mid-70s. He moved to Stewart, Florida. He's had a small, uh, a small nondescript office on, on a waterway, uh, in stuart Florida. And, uh, him and his small staff, it's almost like walking into an accounting office, but him and his small staff have been, uh, riding price trends for, for three decades, and bills uh, got performance over those three decades. It, over 20% a year. I mean, that's just phenomenal. I, Warren Buffett's obviously had a phenomenal track record, but I, I think it's just as worthy that people know about uh, a trader like Bill Dunn.
2: You were saying that some of the things that he does is he cuts his losses uh, pretty quickly, and he doesn't really change his core strategies. What are some of the other things that he does that makes him so successful?
3: Well, I think it's the rigid discipline. Uh, rigid discipline he has. And I think also Bill swings for the fences. Uh, I think when people get older, they tend to say, "Well, let's, let's dial it back some." You know, you, everyone talks about you know changing your allocation, more bonds. And here, Bill, Bill's at seventy-five years of age, and he's just swinging for the fences, but not swinging for the fences recklessly. There's a difference. He's swinging for the fences because he truly believes he's safest by trying to make the most money possible, versus what what frankly could be an artificial world of thinking. Well. If I reduce my, quote, risk um, and and change my allocations, I'm actually safer. Bill believes differently than that. His track record seems to back his wisdom.
2: Indeed. Okay, then you talk about uh, John W. Henry. What is unusual about him?
3: Well, uh, John W. Henry owns the Boston Red Sox, so that's uh, pretty unusual. And he bought the Boston Red Sox through his winnings as a trend-following trader. To me, that's a phenomenal story. I mean, this is a guy that started off as a farmer in Arkansas uh, and and learned these trend-following strategies in the early 80s and had a very successful money management career. His his money management firm is much smaller these days. I think it's primarily because he's he's pretty focused on the Red Sox and two two world championships. uh, I think he's done pretty well with that. But he's been a very successful trend-following trader, very similar to Bill Dunn, swinging for the fences, making the big returns, um, for a very long time.
2: Okay, then you talk about uh, Ed Sokota. What, what does he do that makes him uh, such a wizard?
3: Ed Sokota is one of the grandfathers. Ed Sicota was one of the first people to actually develop a computerized trading system. He was working at MIT. Well, he was a student at MIT, but he was using their computers and the punch card system to develop an automated way, an automated way of uh, trading an account. So, let's say your portfolio had ten different markets. Ed was developing a system that say, okay, you buy here and you sell here, all based on price data, so it was, you know, eliminating discretion. And Ed was, was testing that out to see how performance would unfold. And He was doing this in the late 60s and early 70s. Ed's also very famous for appearing in a book called The Market Wizards uh, a few decades ago, which was a, just uh, a, a Bible to many uh, traders and investors. He also is a very famous, uh, I'm paraphrasing a little, but it's, we all get what we want. And it's a pretty brutally honest statement, but for example, if you were a buy-and-hold mutual fund owner, and you went into the fall of '08, and you'd been a buy-and-hold mutual fund owner for 20 years, and you lost 20% or 50%, you actually got what you wanted. <laughs> it
2: might not seem that, that way at the time, but that's kind of the way it worked out. Yes. Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show, and my guest this hour is Michael Covell, uh, who's recently updated his book called Trend Following, uh, Learn to Make Millions in Up or Down Markets. He has a website, michaelcovell.com. We'll be back after this.
4: What are the do's and don'ts when it comes to solving personal foreclosure? With over 2,700 foreclosures daily, what can you do to ensure the housing crisis doesn't hit home? Tune in to Foreclosure Exposure Radio with host Carla Dougland. This show will give you steps you can immediately use to save your own home and credit. Face and conquer foreclosure issues before they affect you. Listen for Foreclosure Exposure Radio every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Network. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
1: You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome
2: back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. And my guest this hour is Michael Covell, uh, who is the author of Trend Following, Learning to Make Millions in Up or Down Markets, uh, recently been updated. Welcome back to the show, Michael. Thank you. We were talking about some of the great trend followers out there, and you really want to put three of them together in the so-called turtle story. This is uh, Jerry Parker and um, Salim, is this his name?
3: Uh, Salem Abraham and uh, Richard Dennis.
2: Right. So why don't you just, for people who haven't heard that before, tell us a, a brief version of the turtle
3: story. Sure. Um, back in the mid-'70s, there was a guy named Richard Dennis, he was a young, young guy, a teenager, and he, he ended up making his first million dollars trading on the Chicago floors by the age of 25. And by the age of 37, in 1983, he, he had made a fortune of $200 million, literally just trading his own account. And one day, him and his partner were out, they were out watching the old Eddie Murphy Dan Aykroyd movie uh, Trading Places, and uh, Rich Dennis thought that he could teach anybody how he had made all that money. And he was trading as a trend-following trader, and his partner said, no way, you've got an innate uh, intelligence, you're just a uh, savant. And so they made a bet and uh, to figure this out, almost like an apprentice-type show. They hired uh, 20 students off the street, all different backgrounds, uh, poker players, uh, uh, Dungeons & Dragons game designer, uh, a clerk on the floor, uh, one guy was an actor, musician. They gave them two weeks of training. In these systematic, uh, disciplined methods, these trend following methods, they gave them rules and they gave them money and they put them down the street from their offices at the Chicago Board of Trade and they said, "Go trade." And four years later, this group of twenty had made approximately a hundred million dollars profit. And it was it was nurture trumping nature. You, you did not have to be born uh, as a savant in trading; you could learn it. Did and all twenty these, of them do well? Excuse me?
2: Did all 20 of them do well?
3: Initially, all 20 did do well. And uh, while they worked for him, they all made uh, very, very good money. And uh, they uh, they were nicknamed the Turtles because Rich Dennis had wanted to uh, grow traders like he had seen turtles being grown at a Singapore turtle breeding farm. And uh, they, they did well until they went out on their own. And that was where the story diverged a little. And that's where... Two of the other traders that I mentioned in my book, Jerry Parker and Salem Abraham, came into play. But once they went out on their own, I think not having uh, some of the comfort of a group, not having uh, some of that discipline instilled upon them, I think some folks uh, just went a little sideways. Now, today, six of those 20, quote, turtle traders still trade for clients and have done exceptionally well. Jerry Parker's been the most successful turtle trader uh, he arguably could be, and has developed a fortune of over a billion dollars. This is from a man who grew up in southwestern Virginia. He's currently based in Richmond, Virginia. And very quietly, uh, over, over several decades now, he's built this trend following career. And people might say, well, Mike, that's great. You know, you've, you've got a story of uh, one group of people that were trained, and uh, it all worked for them, and uh, I don't believe that story, or, or it couldn't happen for me. Well, that's where Salem Abraham, who's in my trend following book, plays a critical role. Salem Abraham was not one of the turtles trained by Richard Dennis. He was not in the group for four years. But he met Jerry Parker at a random meeting. And what Jerry Parker was doing, how he was trading as a trend following trader, inspired Salem Abraham. And so Salem went ahead and learned trend following on his own and started doing it 20 years ago. And now Salem has got a 20-year track record and producing 20%-a-year returns. And he's what I call a second-generation turtle. So it's really a unique story of nature uh, really losing out to nurture. That You can you can learn to do this, and it's very inspiring.
2: So your, your point is that uh, if you take the right steps and, and have a certain amount of discipline and overcome your natural uh, human you know emotions one way or the other, that almost anybody can, can be a successful trend follower.
3: I I think if you you really want to do it, the evidence is out there to say you can take a shot at this and you can make it happen.
2: Yeah. Okay. In your uh, fourth chapter, you talk about big events, crashes, and panics. Um, So why don't you give us a brief idea of of what's in there and uh, how people should be reacting when there's these enormous moves, mostly down.
3: Well, you know, we always hear about the big events. We hear about yeah you know, the world is the world is going upside down everyone's losing everyone's not making money and typically when these big events happen the media and the press will position it that, that everyone's going broke and nobody's nobody's doing well well trend following traders did exceptional in 2008 many trend following traders many of the turtle traders that i just mentioned made performances in october plus twenty percent for the month of October two thousand and eight. Some made plus forty percent for October two thousand and eight. Many made over a hundred percent for two thousand and eight for the entire year. That's I would think for most investors that are unfamiliar with the phrase trend following, that would that would cause them to stop and say, whoa, hold on. Even if I didn't have one hundred percent of my portfolio in this this style of trading that Michael Cavell is talking about, I should have some part of it. Because if if I'm all in mutual funds and I go down the tank, and then I hear about all these other people that were making money in ways that I could have done it too, hopefully that will cause people to say, "Wow, I think I've got to. I think I've got to change how I, I do my allocations here."
2: Yeah, <laughs> and it's a matter of going short as well as going long in many of these cases, right? I mean, because when you have a major crash or things like that, people tend to go into a foxhole and want to hide and have the whole thing go away as opposed to trying to profit from it.
3: Absolutely. I, I'll, give you, I'll give you a great example of something that happened in 2008. Uh, this was a trader who was based in London, and uh, his name was Paul Mulvaney. and He's in my book, Trend Following. And Paul was uh, short the S&P for much of the summer. So he was trying to make money as the market was dropping. And he came into uh, late September, and I don't remember the exact dates, but the government announced their TARP plan. And Paul was trading weekly bars. Meaning, Paul, instead of looking at, let's say, a closing price each day to make your decision, Paul would only look at one data point for the entire week, just the weekly closing price. I hope everyone's grasped what that means. It means (laughs) no newspapers, no news. None of that mattered to Paul. All Paul cared about was that weekly closing price. So he's short the S&P. He's making money as it goes down. They announced the TARP. All of a sudden, you know, the TARP forces the S&P to go straight up, and But it didn't hit his stop because he was trading a weekly bar type approach. It did not hit his stop. After the TARP announcement, the S&P turned around and, as we all know, crashed in October. And Paul's firm, a trend following trader, produced 40% in October. Paul couldn't predict that that was going to happen. He didn't know. He didn't have a forecast. But he just said, I'm riding that bucking bronco. I don't know which way it's going to go, but my system is going to try and have me best positioned to take advantage of these unexpected moves, of the unexpected, unpredictable future. And it worked out great.
2: Yeah. Would you say it's better for people to use a uh, computer system to be tracking these trends or look things up in the newspaper? Or at what point does it make sense to get a money manager who follows a system to do it for you?
3: Well, that kind of gets to the conclusion of the book. And I really do challenge people. I say, listen, you, you, can, you can try to do this on your own or you can hire, hire a manager. You know, some people don't want to uh, sit around and do this all the time. You know, they, they might rather say, well, I want the benefits and I'm willing to pay uh, some of the fees that have to be paid to get the benefit, to get the performance, um, and what computers do, computers simply just automate the system. Uh, back in the early 80s when the turtles were learning how to be trend following traders, they were just writing down their price moves and their their sell stops uh, for each day and just writing it down in a ledger. Um, computers just help to automate that. And I think sometimes these days people get caught up in computer technology, but uh, that technology is only as good as what you put in. And if you put good rules in, it'll work well for you. If, if you're looking at it some kind of black box uh Secret system that you might see advertised in late late night infomercials. Boy, avoid that stuff like the plague.
2: Is there a system that you use to follow trends?
3: A, a trend following system, very similar to the turtle type, tri- the turtle type system, very similar to the systems I'm describing. They're they're, they're not. The trick is they're not overly complicated. They're not. Uh, they're not things that one can't uh, search around Google and find trend following type systems. The hard part is saying, gosh. I'm going to stick with this. I have to stick with it. I can't jump around. So the systems are often the easy part. It's the human part, it's the tough part.
2: And you have a whole chapter on that, right? On on human emotions and human, uh, you know, kind of ups and downs. Why don't you just give a sense of what it takes to offset your normal human behavior of going, you know, being optimistic when things are up and pessimistic when things are down.
3: Well, you know, we, we all we all want gratification immediately and you know often it's the it's the we'll we'll see a headline in the wall street journal or time and uh, ten years ago there was a fantastic hedge fund out of connecticut called long-term capital management and almost brought down the financial system back in the day and this firm was famous for producing performance every month one or two percent each month and, and the best and the brightest, the pension funds, everybody wanted this because it was one or two percent a month. And you didn't even have to delay gratification. You you could get gratified every day, every month, these people were producing money. But that's not how the world works. You know? And and what happened was is this hedge fund eventually blew up. And I bring it back to, to Bernie Madoff, which was a scam, but when you look at the performance record of Bernie Madoff, he was producing about one or two percent a month, every month. No losses. Ever. And that should raise the red flag for for investors. Is if you see a trading style or a, a trading manager that only produces wins, I can almost guarantee you that that firm is either going to blow up or is a scam from the get go. Nobody can make money every month. Did Absolutely you, nobody.
2: Did you see Bernie Madoff coming in advance? That you were suspicious of returns he was promising to so many people?
3: No, I, I, in in hindsight, you can look back at the performance record. I, I did not see his track record before he blew up. But when you look back at it, you look at the month for month performance data, and you're seeing like 1% return each month. It's just, it's impossible to do that. It just doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't work. There's, there's no traders on the planet that can do it. And so if one trader is doing it, and I think if you look at the long-term capital example, they were very similar to that too. Victor Niederhofer was another trader that gave 1% a month that blew up. So it's, it's just got to avoid that
2: stuff. There's no easy fixes. Yeah, people are definitely looking for easy fixes here. Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show, and my guest this hour is Michael Covell, uh, whose book is called Trend Following, uh, Learning to Make Millions in Up or Down Markets. Uh, we're certainly learning an awful lot about how you can be just like the turtles we talked about and really have a successful trading tr- strategy without being too complicated about it. We'll be back right after this.
1: both their products and services are invited to become members of the money answers network the public can sign up for membership in the money answers network at no charge in order to be apprised of the latest useful resources to learn more visit www.moneyanswers.com get ahead with money answers
4: think of the world 50 years ago now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now
0: looking for a good time we've got a show that will give you a wild ride this show will make you feel good and it's not even bad for you you need your time to let loose it's time for a feel good party. Pull up to the computer, mix yourself a drink, and turn up the speakers. Happy Hour is here. Every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, it's called The Biggest Radio Show in the World, hosted by international personality and pundit Michael DeMarco. You don't know what's coming next. The biggest radio show in the world on Voice America.
5: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
1: You've been listening to the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan.
2: This is Jordan Goodman, your host, and my guest this hour is Michael Covell, uh, whose new book is called Trend Following. Learning to Make Millions in an Up or Down Market. Welcome back to the show, Michael. Thank you. You've got a chapter on baseball saying uh, thinking outside the batter's box. How does that apply to trend-following trading?
3: Well, I bring it up in my book, um, talking about John W. Henry, who's been one of the better trend-following traders in the last few decades, and he is the owner of the Boston Red Sox today. And he has helped to popularize a notion in baseball of using statistics, to make decisions on player uh, evaluation, and there was another book called Moneyball by Michael Lewis that talked about this. That I'm sure some of your your listeners have heard uh, or have had a chance to read. And what John Henry has done with the Red Sox is they don't necessarily look at a player and say, "and I grew up playing baseball," and uh, but they don't look at a player and say, "Wow, he looks like an Adonis; he must be a great player." He's six foot four he's ripped, he's, he's hugely muscular, what they say is they say, let's look at the performance of the player. What are the statistics that that player produces? And so if a player happens to be, let's say, pudgy or overweight or doesn't really look the part of a great athlete, but he produces fantastic numbers, the Red Sox will go by the numbers and not the physical appearance. A physical appearance has often been the historical way that players were evaluated. Uh, scouts would say, "Wow, that guy looks great, and he's kind of playing the role, so he's going to be great because he's physically gifted." Whereas, what well, John Henry and other players like Billy, uh, other general managers like Billy Bean at the Oakland A's, they said, "No, no, no, let's look at the numbers a little more closely." And I think that dovetails with the, with the trend following ma- mindset, which is where you're looking at price data to the exclusion of all the fundamental factors, all, all the, the sexy, glitzy stories, um, whereas Trent is kind of boring. You're just looking at price data and doing these mechanical trades, and there's not really any sex appeal to it. It's,
2: you don't know why it's, it's happening. It, it's just happening, is basically what you're saying, and you're following what's happening,
3: indeed. Yeah,
2: yes. yeah. You talk about holy grails. What, what are some of the holy grails that people have uh, towards this approach?
3: Well, you know, I've got some criticism from people. They say, well, you you, you, you criticize Warren Buffett. I said, well, you know, I don't really criticize Warren Buffett. I salute his success. Uh, who wouldn't want to uh, to be as successful as Warren Buffett and make all these great decisions to make a make a fortune? My point that I sometimes pick with Buffett, though, is it he's been positioned as this buy and hold investor, and uh, that's how he's made all his money. But the reality is he's he's got insurance companies that spin off massive amounts of cash. He takes huge derivatives positions. And very complicated, uh, very complicated derivatives positions. He trades currencies. And that's fine. And that's what many traders that that I've written about will do things maybe perhaps similar. But I just don't like being positioned as buy at home because the average person can't do all that. The average person can't take all those, the more complicated type uh, uh, positions that he's taking. I think another, another Holy Grail, when I use the term Holy Grail, it's those it's elusive-type legends that we all think that, that exist, and they really don't, and so I kind of named them Holy Grail. There's a, there's a very famous trader named Paul Tudor Jones, and mm-hmm. he's always had an expression that uh, losers average losers. You know, sometimes if you, let's say you own a stock, and you bought, you bought Google at, uh, uh, you know, 500, and it went to 750, and you're feeling good, and it starts coming back down, and you buy Google all the way back down. You just keep buying more and more as it drops. Well, you know, often that strategy doesn't work very well, and Jones has the expression of, of losers, average losers. And there was a comment years ago uh, where somebody was talking about Enron, and they said, well, you know, if you, if you had Enron in your portfolio and portfolio, didn't sell it at $90 or even $10, don't feel embarrassed. And, you know, I look at it and I say, that's kind of crazy. If you own a stock, and that stock's at $100, and it drops to $90, uh, okay, what do you do now? Do you hold on? Drops to 80 what do you do? Do you hold on? 70 60 10 If you bought Enron at $90, and you're still holding it when it's at $0.10 cents a share, who's responsible, the criminals at Enron, or you, for not selling the stock?
2: A lot of people do that. They write it all the way down, and they say, well, I bought it at 90 so... I can't take a loss. It has to get back to at least 90. The, the stock owes me 90, something like that.
3: Yeah, and, and that's, that's the emotional part of, of investing. That's, really, that's the toughest part. I mean, this whole conversation we're having for this hour is really all about the emotions of this and not letting your emotions get to you.
2: You talk about analysis paralysis as well, and that can really hold people back. There's so many decisions, so much information, they end up doing nothing. How do you overcome that?
3: You've know, you got to turn off the TV. I've got a documentary film coming out in May called Broke the New American Dream. And in that film, uh, we, we look at media, how media affect people. And the best traders literally say, just, just turn it off. Don't listen to it. it it's not going to help you. I mean, I hope people listen to us right now because they're learning how they can make good decisions but I'm not telling anybody that uh, I, I'm, I'm some guru to follow. I'm, I'm a guy that is hoping that, to pass along insight. But there's, there's a difference to where I think a lot of people out there in the financial space want you forever fixed or attached to them so they can, they can feed you more every day. And to me, that's just the wrong way to go about it.
2: In your final chapter, and again, uh, let's tell people about the website where they can find out more about you as well.
3: Well, the easiest way probably to find me is just to go to trendfollowing.com, all one word. Um, you can find my websites through there and uh, the books. Um, and if you want to reach out and drop me an email, I'd love to hear from you. So that's the easiest way to reach me, trendfollowing.com.
2: In your last chapter is what you call the game. Now, let's just go through briefly some of the uh, the rules you tell about to play the game well. First one is what you call slow acceptance.
3: Right. people. People... You know, when you, bring, when you bring a strategy like trend following to the, to the, to the table, and, and look, there's many traders that have been doing this for a long time. I'm just kind of getting out and helping pe- other people to, to be familiar with it. But it is hard for people to accept this style of trading, trend following, because this goes against everything. I mean, the teachers in the universities, they don't teach this. I mean, I, I, all the readers out there, find me the university professors that teach trend following trading in the classroom. They, they don't exist because, first off, trend followers don't believe that markets are efficient. Trend followers believe that markets can go to extremes, and there's a, you can take advantage of those extremes to make money. And so that, that that's tough for people to accept. And, and most of the money management world is built around mutual funds and fundamental analysis. It's difficult to say, wow, I'm going to put that aside, or, or at least I'm going to put part of that aside and, and accept this new strategy. It's very different for people. It's hard.
2: You also talk about decreasing leverage, decreasing returns. Uh, And this has been a time when people have been hurt by leverage. You're saying it's better to increase leverage. Is that right?
3: Well, leverage is a tool. And if you have a good trading plan that understands leverage from the beginning, um, you can use leverage to your advantage. If you don't have a good trading plan and you are out there, for example, let's say, you're making 40 grand in a year and you bought 10 condos on massive leverage no money down that's bad use of leverage But leverage is the tool so it's all how you use it
2: and then your final one you talk about uh, fortune favors the bold y- your strategy does take some boldness you're buying things after they've already gone up to some extent or you're selling them after they've already gone down is that what you mean by favoring the bold
3: well and a bold in the sense too that I think sometimes people uh, say to themselves, I'm happy with 8% a year, or I'm happy with 6% a year, or 12% a year. Well, that's kind of an artificial way to look at the world. You really don't get to control how much you make. What trend-following traders say, and especially the bold ones, guys like Bill Dunn, what Bill Bill's philosophy is, I better make as much as I can now, because when things go against me, I need to have things in reserve. Yeah, indeed.
2: Very good. All right. Well, it's been fascinating. Uh, Again, this has been Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show, and my guest has been Michael Covell, uh, whose book is called Trend Following, Learn to Make Millions in Up or Down Markets. His website is trendfollowing.com. Thanks very much for being on the show, Michael. I think people got a lot out of it.
3: Thank you very much.
2: And thanks, and we'll be back again next week.